You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We are today going to open up God's Word, and we're going to be continuing in Matthew 6 as we continue in our study in prayer. Uh, we're, we're trying to, as 2020 kicks in, we are trying to grow in prayer. We want to be more engaged, more thoughtful, more of everything with prayer. As you saw, we, we took time today during our worship time to, to go before God. We're, we're acknowledging in those moments that God is the source. He is where we, we're not just trying to play games. We're not just filling, out, filling in time on Sunday mornings to get in here and say, all right, I went to church, 2020, I'm, I'm back in the gym more and I'm back in church more, so things are going well. Like, no, we want this to be more meaningful, more engaging than just gathering together our relationship with God begins, continues, and ends in our own time with him in prayer. And I want that to grow in your life. I want it to grow in my life. Because I'm going to tell you what, I, I can struggle with prayer. I can. It's for my life. I have struggled with prayer. I, I have the same struggles as you do, and some of you are much better at it than I am. I value it. I do it trying to teach my kids to do it and to value it, and yet the nature of prayer is a challenge for me. I, I like to move. I like to progress. I like to keep advancing. I like there to be activity and engagement and people and all of that, and prayer is like the opposite at times of all of that, and so it, it rubs against my makeup. And so I, I am engaged in that battle to fight to pray, to fight for the time, the, the moments, the patience, the quiet moments of prayer because I know that it is so valuable. And I'll tell you why I know it's so valuable often is because I pray most when things are hard. That's when I pray. When I don't, I don't have any trouble praying. When things are going south, when it is not going the way that I want to, I will, I will engage. And I remember, I mean, even when I was a little kid and I didn't even have a relationship with the Lord, I was a young teenager, like 13 years old, and I, would, I was struggling at times with some, some emotional battles and physical illnesses and things. And I just remember, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was sitting in my room doing everything that I thought I needed to do in order to pray. So I would do the sign of the cross like a million times. I would hold on to a cross like, all right, it's like a lightning rod, right? Like, this will help me get the power. I would say words that I thought made sense. I remember my grandmother, she, um, at the time, uh, she had like a nominal relationship with the Lord. Ultimately, towards the end of her life, she came to full faith in Christ. But she, she I remember her telling me at one time, like when she prays, she says, the Our Fathers. She had a, a very Italian New York accent, the Our Fathers. Like, she, 
she would, she would say that prayer and this, the Lord's prayer that we're going to read in just a second, like she would say it over and over again. And so I was like, all right, I must have to say this over and over again in order to, to get what I need. I'm a, I'm a bit better now. <laughs> I've learned a few things, come to faith. But I'll tell you that the struggle is real. And if you look in Matthew 6, we're reading this prayer every week. And we're going to be in a couple places in the scriptures today. But this prayer is important, it's special, and it's something that God is, is using to develop us and birth new things, new life in us. Because the struggle is real. So thank God we have this, at least. So in Matthew 6, verse 9, look at what it says. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Prayer is a challenge, I think, for a lot of reasons. Some of what I already mentioned for myself, I think that probably is similar for some of you. But here, here's also why it is a challenge. Prayer is the collision of two worlds. It is the collision of two worlds. It, it is God and man. It is spiritual and physical. When we pray, we are doing something a, a bit different. It's more than just sitting and meditating, right? That's very popular. It's been popular. It has continues to be popular. There's apps you can get, and I'm not saying even meditation is bad. I'm just saying it's not enough to just sit and meditate. We, we want there to be a real connection between us and the spiritual, and it's these two worlds colliding where we're inviting the God of the universe to invade our lives and to, to act on our behalf. We want him to get involved. We, it's, it's two worlds colliding and not just like exploding and bouncing off, but we want those two worlds to connect and, and sync up. And so we see it in this prayer. It's what we're supposed to pray. Right up front in the Lord's Prayer, we, we, are, we get this model from Jesus. He says, pray like this. And so he gives us this model prayer, this roadmap of sorts that help us, because if we didn't have this, we'd be like me at 13, clueless, doing all kinds of weird things to try to connect with the God of the universe. And, and God is just saying, look, it's, here is a help for you to focus your thoughts, to think properly about how you connect with God. It's a huge help. And right away in this prayer, we see the two worlds colliding, right? First, which is what we talked about last week, we saw it. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're, we're connecting with who we're talking to. It's God. It's the God of heaven and earth. He is amazing. He's to be worshipped. That's what hallowed means. He, he, his name is holy and set apart. And then right after that, the first thing that we're to ask for, or the first thing that we are, are to petition is what? 
your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today, we're going to focus really just on that first part. We'll talk about the will next week. Because I think there's a lot there that we need to focus on when we ask God's will to be done in our lives. But there is a lot to think about when we start saying, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? We acknowledge God the Father. It's the first thing we do. And then right after that, we pray for his kingdom. The two worlds colliding. Your kingdom come here to us now. So, what does that mean to pray for God's kingdom to come? We are 21st century Americans, or at least we're living in America right now, and we don't, we don't do kingdoms, right? We don't do kings. I mean, our whole country was born on kind of the anti-king mindset. Like, we, we got away from that. The only kingdoms we deal with are, are, are a bit superficial, like, all right, if you're a, I don't know if there's any Kansas City Chiefs fans in here. We have one, two, a couple, right? What's your fan club called? Chiefs Kingdom. There it is, right? So this is a fan club. It's called Chiefs Kingdom. You can, like, earn rewards and get, you know, get certain things, but it's more of a, it's a community. It's a culture, right? Chiefs, Chiefs Kingdom. So you could pray for Chiefs Kingdom to come or to not come today, depending on where you stand in the football world. There's been a lot, a lot of news recently in the, the royal family, right? The UK, we, there's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, right? They, they, they're always in the news, but now they're saying, now we're going to take, take a step back from kingdom duties, from royal duties. It's been a huge deal, right? The queen is trying to figure out how to deal with this, like the whole family, the media. Why we care so much is, is funny, but we do, so it's all over the news, right? So they, they, they're in this kind of two-kingdom world. They're like trying to get out of one kingdom, enter into a different kind of kingdom. It's really an interesting illustration. See, that, that, that's what the Word of God talks about a lot about God's world, God's system, God's government, God's realm. He calls it his kingdom. See, it's strong. It's meant to be strong. Like, we don't like the idea of kings. Like, whoa, 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 we're a democracy. Like, we, we, want, we want a plurality. We want there to be protections and checks and balances. And God says, my system is a little bit different than that. There actually is a king. There is one ruler. He rules over all, and it is the, the perfect kingdom. It is the right kingdom, but it is absolutely a kingdom, and there is someone in charge. And God tells us that as we pray, our focus should be to see that framework, that, that realm, that system, that world, that kingdom to come to us, to our lives, to our world. And so it, it, it shows us this kind of two-kingdom space. There is the kingdom of God, and then there is this kingdom that we're inviting him into. Now, it's all his in the big picture, but we see there is, there is a, an invitation for God's kingdom to come into what we would say is our kingdom, the, 
the kingdom of this world. The Bible talks about it as the kingdom of this world, the world's kingdom, the kingdom of man. So our question should be, well, what are these, what are these kingdoms like? God has a kingdom. There is a kingdom that exists on this earth, and we have to think through what, what does this look like? And so the, the place that I, I mean, we could go to a lot of places in the Bible to, to look at some of this, but there's one place in Luke chapter 6 that helps us really concisely organize God's thoughts on these two kingdoms. We actually see it in two places. Right before the the Lord's Prayer on the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we have what's called the Beatitudes. That's in Matthew 5. Well, Matthew 6 is the same grouping of Beatitudes, but it's phrased a little bit differently. It's a little more concise. There's a little different emphasis. So I want to read that, okay? It should be up on the screens for you. If you want to follow in your Bibles, it's Luke 6, verse 20 to 26, but it is on the screens. Look what it says. It says, and he lifted up his eyes. It's Jesus. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor. Say it with me. For yours is the Okay, so that's the beginning part. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So right here, a snapshot of the kingdom of heaven. You're like, Adam, that's the worst marketing for a kingdom, for a place to live that I've ever seen. Yeah, we're going to talk some about that. Because look at what comes next, right? We, we have, blessed are you, and then we have these, these four kind of descriptions. And the next part, and he says this, he says, woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So look, two kingdoms set up right, right away. We have the, the kingdom of God, blessings for the kingdom of God, and woeings for this other kingdom, for what we would say is the kingdom of this world. And so this helps us. It shows us not only what God's kingdom is like, it shows us what God is like, and it shows how he, he sees the world, how his, his system, his way of thinking, of creating, of everything, how different it is from us. It is completely upside down. It is completely upside down. When we look at these Beatitudes, in, whether it's in Matthew 5 or here, I mean, we get these two lists, and we, don't, we understand the word blessing. We, that's common wording. But that other word, woe, it's not, we don't use woe a lot other than, you know, like, whoa, like stay, stay back from me, or whoa, you're acting crazy. Like, that, that's not the same kind of woe. Woe here, W-O-E, another word that we use for it is also a word we don't ever use, which is alas. When was the last time that came up in conversation? Probably not too much. 
Alas is not a helpful word either. It's, it's meant to describe a, a feeling of sorrow, of pity. It's an emotion. The closest thing, the simplest word that I can come up with that helps describe woe is uh-oh. It's the closest thing I have. And I was thinking for a long time on that. There are no good synonyms for woe. So I, so I this is it. Uh-oh, okay? Uh-oh to you who are da-da-da-da, okay? Because that's, that's what it is. It's not, it's meant to, to, to show there is a problem with this way of living, of thinking. And here's what's happening in those two lists. God is talking to us about priority. All right, I told you this a few weeks ago when we started off 2020, right? When we were starting to think of a word for the year, I was saying, look, priority is gonna be an important word for you, for me. We are thinking through, how am I prioritizing life? How, what, what are the priorities in my life going to be? This prayer, that description that I just read is about priority. So here's the question. Which kingdom do you want? Which kingdom do you want? Which kingdom will you prioritize, right? When Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come, he is pushing us into a position, right? That, that prayer is a spiritual activity that is inescapably connected to God and his kingdom. We can't just pray generic prayers. God, grant me the serenity to... Those are great prayers, but if they are detached from who Christ is, from who God is, from our Father in heaven, then they are just words that are going into the, the atmosphere. They're building into the kingdom of this world. They're not building into the kingdom of God. And so we want, to, we want to see that he is pushing us into this position, how connected prayer is to his kingdom. And if we prioritize the wrong kingdom, it will affect everything. It will affect everything. Look at the two lists. And if we just put them side by side, it's, right, blessed are the poor, the hungry, the weeping or the crying, the hated, the excluded, <laughs> the reviled. And you're like, this? Why? Why would I want this? <laughs> because the other side is exactly what I would want. I want that, I want rich, full, laughing people speaking nicely about me. But it's so flipped around. Blessed are the poor, the hungry, the crying, the hated. Woe, uh-oh, to the rich, the full, the laughing, the flattered. Look, if you put these two lists in front of any random person, what do you... What do you think they would want to choose? Take away blessings and woes, and you just say, okay, which list do you want to be in? Guaranteed, most people are going to pick the second list. So what are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to handle this? What are we supposed to learn? The big thing is this, that, that, that God's kingdom is just different. It is so different 
His value system is different. It rubs against everything that we think and want and have a picture of. We want God to think and act just like us. And we want him to set up his kingdom to, to, benefit, the way, to benefit us in a way that will give us the most food, money, flattery, laughing. See, it's about priority. See, God's not saying it's wrong to have money, joy. It's not wrong to have food. It's not wrong to be thought of, to, to be spoken of well by other people. But what he's saying is this. This is the important piece of all of it, okay? If those things are the priority of your life, If they are what you live for, if all you live for is money, food, comfort, success, power, beauty, friendship, people to adore you and to clap and shout your praises, if that's what you're living for, then that is all you'll ever get. If that's your priority, then your rewards will be small in the big picture. Man, I love it when people cheer for me. I do. I like getting money. I, I like eating a lot. <laughs> love it. Laughing's good too. But what happens when we just live for that? Man, it it's a prison. It's a it's a It's a lie because we just then want more of it and it never, it will never satisfy. We will always want more cheers, more food, more money, more success. If we prioritize our life around that second list, around those things that we think will make us happy, then, then that's what we will get. You want more money, you'll get more money. You want more power, you'll get more power. You want beauty, you'll get beauty. But it's all you'll ever get, physical comfort, material comfort. But the best stuff, the things that we really need, which is the inner stuff, the things that are going on inside, it only comes from your kingdom come, from God's kingdom coming into our lives. And if we live for the wrong kingdom, it will ruin our lives. And some of us in here are living, man, you're living for the wrong kingdom and you might have the things that you want, or maybe you don't have the things that you want. See, the problem is in both. If you get the things that you want, you just always want more. If you don't get those things, you will consistently live and be in despair and depression because why don't I have more money? Why don't I have more food? Why don't I have more friends? Why don't I have more people liking me? It, it, it is all part of the same problem. And so what God does is in his mercy, he often comes in, he swoops in, and, and he loves us so much, and he says, I'm not going to give you all of those things because it will ruin your life. He doesn't let us have, at times, all of that because he's trying to help us. It's the same thing we do with our kids, man, right? They want ice cream all the time, want sugar all the time, and we have to say, 
no, it's not good for you. This is not going to serve your life. This is going to actually kill you if you eat like this all the time or if you do this activity. So we, we fight hard as parents to, to put this very thing into practice, and yet when God does it to us, we're just like, you've left us. <laughs> You're, you've left me. He says, when you come to me, when you pray, pray for the right kingdom to be at the center of your life. Pray for my kingdom to come. And he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry, the reviled. When Blessed are you when people exclude you, revile you, hate you on my account. He doesn't say, I want you to go out and seek being poor, seek being hungry. That's not it at all. Don't go out being a jerk because it's hey, a blessing when people hate me. I'm doing great. No, no, no. You're just mean and people don't like you. Like, it's not good. You, it's different. Don't treat those as God. Don't make those God in your life. Value other things. See, this is what happens. See, when we understand kingdom, and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up as we finish up here. When we understand and prioritize the kingdom, it's gonna change us. It's gonna change everything. It changes the way that we see, the way that we process, and the way that we engage, not just with God, but the way that we do all those things with the world. This will impact our lives, the way that we see, process, and engage with God and with the world. See, it's all a turn. It's a turn away. This whole series is called The Turn because prayer is a complete change for all of us. It's a turn away from the material, from the physical, from self. It's a turn away from that and onto the spiritual, onto God and onto other people. It is drastic and dramatic and so it says, blessed are the, the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Look, this is what I'm talking about, how we see that. And let me just use that one phrase, right? Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Because it, it filters into all the other ones, the, the being full, being hungry, weeping, how others treat you. See, this impacts how we see the world. Blessed are the poor. It's a connection point. The only way that we turn to Jesus is if we understand our spiritual poverty. See, if you look in Matthew 5 in the, the comparable passage, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And here he says, blessed are the poor. It's, it's still the same emphasis, with the same general meaning. Blessed are those who are spiritually poor, meaning you realize there is nothing that you have to give God other than what he's given to you. Not until you are spiritually poor, spiritually hungry, will you realize that the things of this world will never satisfy. And only then will we turn to Christ for help, turn to Christ for our Savior. Up until then, we will be our own Savior. So when we see the world, we start seeing God in a whole different way. We start seeing the world in a whole different way through this. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are hungry, spiritually hungry, spiritually needy for the things that God has. He wants that disposition for us. When we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying this. It changes the way that we see 
everything. Today's Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I know we, we, we didn't do a lot with that, but listen, how we view the issues of life in our culture, in our world, so important. We let this inform it, right? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the weeping, blessed are those who are excluded. Like that condition, it shapes the way that we view the issues of life. And we see, yes, we, we value life because they are, life is created in the image of God. And so we see it and we say, we, wanna, we don't just wanna preserve it, we wanna actively protect it. And that goes for the, the, the child who's unborn and it goes for the person who is consistently being rejected and marginalized and outcast and push, pushed aside because of whatever reason we have decided to do that, whether it's the color of skin, whether it's an, a region of birth, whether it's mental or emotional distress, whether it's age, whether it's beauty, we want to be people of life. And we want to see the kingdoms at war in those moments and think, how are we going to model blessed are the poor in spirit? Because I'm going to tell you this, man. I, the first words out of Jesus' mouth on the Sermon on the Mount are those words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And I stand back and I go, why, why does the church not look like that? Why don't I look like that? Okay, I'll, I'll bring it to me. Why don't we look like it? Why don't we resemble this remark? Blessed are the poor in spirit. We just are loud and we are often mean and we are not humble and we're, we're, we're trying to just be like that second list and, and have our rights and our stance. And we're not poor in spirit. We want to be middle class in spirit. We want to be upper class in spirit. We're trying to, to fight our way through in a way that does not model Christ and is not helpful to the cause of the kingdom. God, help us to see the world through this lens and to say, God, we want your kingdom here. Because when we do that, when we see the world, then we start to process it and we start to go, okay, God cares about the, the weak, the hurting, the broken. And if we're really poor in spirit, it will lead us to care for others who are poor in spirit and also those who are physically and materially impoverished and broken and excluded and marginalized and oppressed. And so if we, when we see people in need, if all we do is go, eh, you know, you, what happened? Why, why can't you pull yourself together? Why can't you get it right? We're forgetting exactly the whole message of the kingdom of God, which is that we were broken and hopeless. We couldn't pull it together enough unless God came in and intervened. And so it, it changes the way that we process and see all of it. When we understand grace, we can give grace in such an amazing way, and it changes our attitude towards everything. That's God's kingdom, caring, not just seeing it, but having a heart that cares for the brokenness of our world. And then we engage, right? Now we engage. We engage in God's mission for us, not just caring about it, but acting on it. We're praying for God's kingdom to come here 
now in my life and then through my life to others. This is our vision here at this church, man, at New Covenant. We want to bring wholeness. We want to be agents of wholeness, agents of God's kingdom right here on this spot and everywhere that we go from here. We want to be praying that prayer, God, let your kingdom come and let me be a part of bringing that kingdom to wherever I go. So what this is gonna mean, okay, for us is it's gonna change your life. It's gonna change your life. It's gonna impact you, right? You're gonna now be more uncomfortable than you were before. But that's his whole point, right? That, that second side of the list, you wanna be rich, full, laughing, that laughing is actually like a mocking laugh, by the way. It's like, ha I won, you lost, ha loser. You wanna put yourself up there, you want everybody to speak well of you. If that's it, that's, then you're gonna get those rewards. But God is saying, I want you to invest in something different. I want you to actually be uncomfortable in your life because if you're poor in spirit, you're actually gonna have other people around you who are poor in spirit, who may actually be impoverished, who may be broken, who may be crying, who may be, and it's gonna impact you. It's gonna impact your pocket, your wallet. It's gonna impact your bank account. It's gonna impact your emotional state because as you have people around you who are hurting, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna hurt with them. As they're crying, you're gonna cry with them. God tells us, I want you to give 10% of your, at least 10% of your money into, into my work, into God's kingdom work. Guess what happens when you give 10% of your money away every year? You're poorer, you have less. This is the kingdom of God, giving our lives away. And you're like, Adam, it just still doesn't sound fun or good. It's because God is building something in you that, that is so much greater. It is not just about having money to do the things you wanna do. It's about having the spirit of God in you and having a joy and, and a, a, a power and a peace and contentment unlike anything that the kingdom of this world will give you. And so we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Jesus prayed this, taught us to pray this because he did all of it. He became poor so that we would be spiritually rich. We are accepted because he was rejected. We are whole because he was broken for us. That is the kingdom of God. If you wanna be part of something bigger than just folding into the, the way of material comfort, wealth, the, the quote unquote American dream. There is something bigger than that for you. And I wanna give you a vision for that so that you would go after it with everything because it's more rewarding than anything that money can buy, more rewarding than the best meal at the best restaurant. It is deeper and more profound than anything else. And I want us to be excited about that. Do you want that church? Do you want that part of your life? God says, pray. Let your kingdom come and let's be a church that prays this in faith. Guys, let's stand together. God, we pray. 
let your kingdom come. God, let New Covenant be a place where your kingdom comes and, it, and is brought forward to all the rest of our city, our state, our world. God, let us individually be people who are calling down your kingdom in our lives. Help us to not live for the, the comforts and the material things that just promise so much life and hope and all that does is fail us every time. It just makes us want more. It makes us hungrier. It makes us angrier. It makes us more depressed. God, give us a foundation, something deeper than that, Lord. We need you. Thank you for the love that you give to us so that we might go and love others. Pray in Jesus' name.